Frank, something really interesting is happening in the world of C Sharp. Uh, yeah, I think it's that Mads is doing vi- cool videos on Channel Nine. Is that it? Mads Mads makes the best videos, he does. and I I love that he can explain all of the new language features in like eight minutes. Uh, so for those who don't know, we're talking about, and I'm going to try to say his name, Mads Torgensen. Did I get that right? Torgerson. Okay. Torgen, Tor- yeah, we'll, Tor- we'll go Torgerson. with your pronunciation. He is running the C-Sharp team, and the team has gotten really open, basically. And they mm-hmm. just started making videos on everything. And it's <laughs> it's getting good. I like it a lot, because you're, you're getting a lot of behind the scenes on what's going on and watching our language evolve. It's fun. Yeah, I think... It's super exciting for me just because for a long time, I felt like C-sharp kind of was stagnant for a mm-hmm. while, especially with C-sharp 5 and then C-sharp 6 came out and then C-sharp 7 came out and added a bunch of little cool things. And then for the first time ever, there's this C-sharp 7.1. Like, Isn't it like, weird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this? Yeah, um, this is new. Uh, I think this is, um, not I think, but probably this is a result of Roslyn. So that uh, mm-hmm. little period there where C-sharp wasn't evolving was Microsoft re- rewriting their compiler. But now that they have the compiler rewritten, it seems like they really want to be aggressive about uh, evolving and moving the language along. And so, yeah, they're, they're not even waiting for, what, a year we get a new language? So that they're too impatient for a year, and we're getting 7.1 and 7.2. Yeah. And I think of this honestly as a very healthy and good thing. And I'll say why is because of the state of development programming languages in the open. If you take a look at Swift from Google, which is from Apple, (laughs) I mean, which is constantly evolving now at iteration four, you have Java surprisingly doing some things. I mean, not in the (laughs) open, but it's doing some things. But then you have Kotlin, Mm. right? And you have then all of the other types of Pythons and Perls and Uh, even just, you know, different things that JavaScript is doing. These are all evolving fast. And in the world of the past, C-sharp was always bound to the version of .NET. That's Mm -hmm. pretty correct, right? Yeah, pretty much. Well, I mean, in the first place, Microsoft was in control. So they set the release schedule. It was, they released the language whenever they wanted, but they always tied it to Visual Studios to get sales of Visual Studio. Here, look at the improvements to the language. But now that it's open source, it's just, you know, we're all just kind of hitting this thing all the time. I've never actually looked at the uh, formal process they go through for features, but they do definitely have a nice, long, (laughs) very bureaucratic process (laughs) for adding stuff to the language. Um, But now it's the community driving that. Of course, they have internal pressures, all that stuff. But yeah, it's going forward. Now, you did bring up um, JavaScript. I thought it was funny because it's not really an open source language, is it? I mean, there's a consortium, Mm. there's a design group, Mm -hmm. and it's designed in the open, but it's not like you can go to GitHub and do a PR for <laughs> JavaScript, right? That's true. You cannot know, and that, that that's a good point. That's a valid point. And I, I mean, I, I guess I always felt like it was the most open because of the open web, right? right? And everything is. But I guess really the only, I mean, open open ones that I think of, I think of Swift, and I and I don't actually think of C Sharp as an open source language because mm. it's Roslyn, right? It's not like you go to the C Sharp repository and right. see C Sharp. You go to Roslyn, correct? 
Yeah, and I even I uh, bounce between these two names, and I should be more careful. But yeah, Rosalind's just the compiler. So just because Rosalind supports something doesn't mean the official language, you know, the language standard supports it. Back in the day, uh, C-sharp was an ECMA language. It was standardized. I don't know if they keep up with the ECMA stuff anymore, <laughs> but that was their way of saying that we're at least open. At least the definition of the language is open, if not any of the implementations, they wouldn't give you those, but the language itself was publicly available. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that they do actually keep up with it as far it's as nice. I know. They may just be very far behind, yeah. but I know that somebody <laughs> somewhere is trying perhaps to do it. So, um, yeah. but I mean, to me, I think what's really cool in general is that it's no longer this very slow thing that's happening. You're seeing it with .NET, you're seeing it with C Sharp, with .NET Core, with Xamarin, and .NET Standard. Everything is moving faster. And I, mm-hmm. and I actually appreciate, when I think about it, the smaller dot releases, because there's obviously features that they want to get into a big release, but they can't do, right? Just like yeah. I'm, I think of it as software development, right? There's big, there's all these backlog items that we want to implement. Sometimes we don't get around to them. So while we're working on the next thing, we'll just plug them in and get you you know now or you find a quick win like oh like how come that thing that we put in seven could be enhanced a little bit more if we just did this other thing which i'm Mm -hmm. actually seeing in some of these features like we implemented this feature in seven but now we've improved it a little bit more in 7.1 you know yeah and the problem with that yearly release schedule is that it's really just marketing right why are we picking Mm -hmm. a major milestone version okay let's well we're bumping the major number let's make sure we put some big important features in here so we do big important feature work to make it look like the language is moving it's kind of stupid it's just marketing driven right it's just a mis- mm-hmm. more of a historical thing and all of that the much more modern approach is a basically just continuous right it's just a continuous delivery of this thing 7.1 7.2 7.3 and then mm-hmm. when we feel like it or we want to break reverse compatibility or something eight even though c sharp's never done that good little language we've never broken the past yeah i guess that's what's interesting right when you think about it is when we think of now, if a language is moving into the software development uh, schematic ver- semantic versioning, yeah. <laughs> does that mean that technically C Sharp 8 would have some breaking changes? Because no. I don't know of any breaking changes <laughs> that we've ever made from 6 to 7 to 8, right? It was just like a marketing number. Yeah. It's just a bunch of features. It's still C Sharp. It's just yeah. how, what, it's kind of like the version of Android or iOS, right? Mm-hmm. What APIs do you want to have access to? And which version, or what is Rosalind going to show you in the IntelliSense is, yeah. is what I think of it as. And uh, C Sharp has always been split from .NET. Even though we mentioned that they released mm-hmm. new versions with new versions of Visual Studio, the fact was you could use a new version of C Sharp, the language, a modern C Sharp dialect, to compile old, old .NET code, you know. I don't, I don't know about yeah. 1.0, but probably 2.0, you know, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, and that actually used to be a trick I would do all the time because I wanted to use the newest features, but for some reason, probably Windows XP. I probably had to be compatible with Windows XP and therefore had to use an old framework. Yeah, but uh, we're definitely decoupled quite nice. now. Yeah, yeah, it's quite nice, I think. And in fact, it's quite, it's interesting too, because when I'm going to link to all these docs, but there is actually um, documentation specifically on relationships between language features and library types and between frameworks and dependencies and all this stuff. You know, it says, the C-sharp compiler tools are now decoupled from the release cycle of .NET libraries on supported platforms. In fact, different .NET libraries have different release cycles. The .NET framework on Windows released on 
and a Windows update. .NET Core as a separate, Xamarin, we do whatever the heck we want. <laughs> and, and they said the majority of the time you won't notice the changes. However, when you're working with a newer version of the language that requires features not yet in the .NET libraries on that platform, you'll reference the NuGet packages to provide those new types. As the platforms your app supports are updated with new framework installations, you can remove the extra reference. <laughs> which does bring oh, on yes. some of the things added in 7, not in 7.1 or 7.2, mm-hmm. such as what value tuples and... Value task, I believe. Oh, um, so, so these stupid. are... Okay, so they added some really cool language stuff. Uh, the new value mm-hmm. uh, tuple has uh, named... <laughs> this might surprise people, but uh, we were creating these large structures of data and not naming any of the fields in it. As everyone knows, the first thing you do in programming is you name things. But, you know, us, we were just using item one, item two, item mm-hmm. three. It was kind of silly. So we finally, like animals. Like, like animals. animals. Exactly. So they finally fixed it, but it required some runtime changes. They didn't want to do that. So they released a de- the, the com- there's a language dependency on a nougat package what world century universe are we living in james this is so messed up (laughs) here's what's cool though frank is that works and that's what's kind of crazy (laughs) barely i don't even understand it i don't think anyone yeah i think mads understands it and maybe that's it Mm -hmm. maybe emo yeah it's it's pretty (laughs) ridiculous but you know and um so they haven't done that yet but i think what they're saying is like hey if Xamarin implements this in the runtime, then you won't actually need to reference it, but you'll probably always have to reference this thing now. Once it's out there, it'll yeah. always be there. Right. But I and think that makes it less discoverable, right? Because I wouldn't have, I just expect everything to be in the box. And I hope that they don't right. go down this path where they add more to it because I expect when I write a C-sharp app that all my C-sharp features are there, you know, <laughs> just saying. Yeah, the taking taking a dependency on the framework. The, I guess that's the, always the issue. When you decouple the compiler from the framework, you know, the c- compiler wants to emit code. It wants to emit function calls, and it has to assume that the framework supports it. If the framework doesn't support it, well, you got to get that code from somewhere. That's all the NuGet package is solving for you. So once you, yes, once you update the framework, it it all gets updated and you don't need the NuGet package anymore. So hopefully it's just there for uh, backwards compatibility. And yeah, I agree with you. Hopefully they never do that again because <laughs> I don't like it at all either. <laughs> yeah. So you want to talk about some of these little goodies that we have in 7172? I absolutely do. Um, now that we trash 7, <laughs> we should talk <laughs> about some new things. Yeah. I mean, no, no, no. I mean, I want to say I do love 7. <laughs> yeah. And I think you know why this is of interest to me is because seven's been out for what a year now almost feels like it i've been using it for a while at least i've been using the betas though of course and um yeah i I feel as though i'm just now using the features because like it takes me a while to figure out what i need to use like so i'm slowly like i think what had to happen is I rely a lot on IntelliSense and like refactoring. <laughs> yeah. So now, for instance, like I get recommendations to use pattern matching or to use the is expression or to just yeah. use the getter and setters with the Lambda, you know, and that helps me learn it faster. Yeah, I've been getting that too. For anyone who doesn't know, um, I, I use Visual Studio for Mac, so I can't speak to Visual Studio for Windows. But in Visual Studio for Mac, you'll get a little yellow... Um, 
uh, light bulb or something. Light bulb. Yep. You mm-hmm. hit Alt Enter, and up comes a list a lot longer than you think of mm-hmm. all the possible ways you can change your code. And often it's recommendations for how to update your code to a modern style. So when we were saying, um, do you use C Sharp 7? I can't go back to C Sharp 6, basically. I use pattern matching everywhere now. It's my favorite mm-hmm. new feature. Uh, I, it was my favorite feature in F Sharp. It's my new favorite feature in uh, C Sharp 7. And uh, once you have it, writing it the old old way is just ridiculous. <laughs> I'm not doing it. Yeah. So 7 was yeah, a good I'm update. A big, yeah. I'm a big fan, especially when you're doing things like try parsing. Just actually <laughs> using the is... Yeah, is is really cool Mm -hmm. and it's very very cool like item is into val and then val automatically guess it's just very makes it it makes it readable and it makes sense yeah so uh, i'm hoping that now when i upgrade and it just seven one and seven two are on by default like things just happen (laughs) but um okay so we we covered ourselves right we we made it clear c sharp seven's good we both like it mads we love you the (laughs) team is amazing crushing it c sharp still the best programming language ever made and it continues to be and i love it um all right so So let's talk about what they do that's 7.1. Um, you, you mentioned a feature just before we recorded, and I thought it was kind of silly. Um, but it's here, async main. Now you can really asyncify your entire app. <laughs> if you really need to do a web request in main, <laughs> you are all set. So yippee. Does that mean I can do that before the app delegate launches in iOS? Oh, uh, <laughs> yeah. Actually, you could. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> don't do that it'll Please. probably mostly work the app delegate's not that mm-hmm. important <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. it's only the whole launching point of your entire application so this one's funny for me um this was to me this was always a feature because if you compiled scripts using roslyn it would emit an asynchronous main function mm. and i did not know that that wasn't officially supported i had to write support for it in my ide and in my interpreter I had to make all that work. So I'm like, oh, this is new. You guys have been doing this behind the scenes for a long time. So it's just more like they made it public and allowed other people to do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a big fan of, I mean, I think that's fine. I probably won't really use it. I mean, maybe when I'm, I think it'll help me when I'm testing command line applications, like testing some little library or something like that. I'm like, oh, I had to do this whole rigmarole to get this working, but I'll I'll, I'll do it here. I don't, I don't find myself writing too many apps that have means really anymore, (laughs) you know, just in general. Those are mostly console apps or I guess ASP.NET apps and you don't need it. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, just... Making the language complete, right? Because you got to be able to async everything. So just a completeness, it's good. Yeah, probably making yeah making it complete and and um, not symmetrical, but you know the, the <laughs> that's the right the word. Paradigms are everywhere. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm actually kind of impressed by this silly feature, which I think is really cool, which is default literal expressions. And I'll set this up because often inside of parameter lists of a method you want to give a default value mm-hmm. um, or a default value of a type so yeah. a good example of that is i may be passing a cancellation token and i want to use the default of the cancellation to- token. So you would wrap default in the cancellation token or int or bool or whatever or function or whatever mm-hmm. and if you have long names, that gets really long, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, you know. Yeah, it's always default, left parenthesis, very long type name, right parenthesis. And all you're saying is, I want a null value, or I basically want zero out of this thing, mm-hmm. but I want it with the correct type. 
because we care about types. And what did they do? How did they fix this for us? Just use default because it's the default. <laughs> you yeah. can infer it. They can infer it. They're smart, right? Yeah. So um, we don't have to repeat ourselves anymore. It used to be like, yeah, int x equals default int. Yeah, we know it's an int. So now it's int x equals default. Nice. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah, just uh, it's these little things. You can definitely feel this is a, a dot release, just a point release. But it's like you could tell that this was stuff that like they just couldn't fit in on the timeline for getting out version seven but they're like oh we really gotta get this in so it's fun to gotta get it in there yeah lots it, of and these. i think it makes it makes it feel a little bit more of a complete release before going into eight where there's more momentum changes like you can get used to these small changes currently mm-hmm. and probably updating roslyn and vs to have these little ones are a lot easier just like the other one where we already had these new amazing tuples and you could say like var pair count count label label mm-hmm. and then you could do pair dot count pair dot label well they're like why do i need to declare the name if the name of the member is the name i want to use let's just infer that too yeah. so it does and just <laughs> you would expect it to do that right so it's kind of nice i like that yeah I, I you know i don't even expect this one this is actually a very controversial controversial topic in uh, programming languages Mm -hmm. of whether you infer a new name from an old name. So in this case, we're um, taking tuple names from variable names. I have a local variable name, whatever, James. (laughs) And then I throw James into a tuple and it would become the James field. And yeah, it's it's implicit. It's a little bit of magic. So you have to worry about like normally variable names don't matter, but now variable names very much do matter. <laughs> That's where the controversy can come in. But I think overall, it's a fine feature because yeah, who wants to repeat themselves? Yeah, exactly. And then I think in 7.2, literally in the documentation, it says these are features like it says it says the features here are small. Nice to have features. <laughs> It also so, says they're useful. They're useful, small, nice to have features. They are use. They are very useful. Yeah. Um, uh, all right. So the first one, the first one that they mention is one. They added language support for a new type that they wanted. Um, have you heard mm-hmm. about the new span type? No, that's in C sharp eight. I know, but we can we can talk oh. about it because this is here to support okay. that. So oh, okay. Okay. what they found was um, they had some weird uh, requirements for the span type that they needed. Mm. Uh, yeah, they needed it to behave a certain way for the CLR to treat it a certain way, for the language to treat it a certain way. And there was no way to express these limitations in code. So they added a way to express that. And what they call that are reference semantics with value types. Oh, so this I is see. all in the name of supporting this fancy new uh, memory object we're going to get soon but they're they didn't want to just have this like one-time hack to support it so they made it a proper language feature which is Mm, good that's cool i don't quite understand this besides that it improves like refs and ref structs and some other things and there's like an in thing oh i can make it actually very easy for you The, the the restriction that they're working from is that they don't want to put these objects into heap memory that is the main global memory uh, that we have instead we only want it in stack memory and uh, very localized memory that's the limitation so it's this weird limitation you're putting on your objects to basically say you're not allowed into real memory <laughs> which seems odd why would you ever want that but it turns out if you're a very mm-hmm. wizard kid cs person <laughs> there are good reasons for this mostly performance related they can make stuff God. really fast God, that makes sense. I'm also then trying to figure out what they did over here in 
I'm gonna look up the 7.2. Okay, so they did, you know how our parameters are awesome? Uh, our function <laughs> parameters, our method parameters? Funct function parameters, and you can have name parameters and you can pass those in. Mm -hmm. um, what does it say? It says named arguments when used with position arguments are valid as long as they're not followed by any position arguments. Have but you now done you this? can do that. This is a good oh, one so for me. Cool. Yeah, it is. Okay, so can I try? I'll try to explain this one. Um, mm -hmm. We've always we've had for a while default arguments where they were optional. Basically, you didn't have to specify them, but if you wanted to throw them in there, usually you could use the name. So I'd say like tricky argument one colon and then a value and then uh, next argument colon the next value. The problem was you were only allowed to do that at the very end of the function call. You couldn't like you, you all could, or nothing. Yeah, you couldn't name the first couple arguments. It just wasn't allowed. I, I, I tried to do it a couple times and it would just yell at you. It's very weird. Mm -hmm. uh, but they fixed it so that now you can just name any argument, which really helps for code clarity, especially when you have like Boolean arguments where you're passing true and false to a function. Now you can actually say what you're saying true and false to. It really increases yeah, like readability. Yeah, that's good. I do like that. I think that's pretty, pretty great. And I think kind of extending additional features is the leading underscores in numeric literals, which I know you <laughs> love numeric literals. And so you hate them. It's hilarious how much you roll your eyes at that one. Yep. <laughs> they can now begin with an underscore fancy schmancy. <laughs> um, what is this private protected? Oh, I, I, golly. You ready for this one? This is an ugly one. <laughs> so let me, we have let's protected start. internal and you have, you have private, you have protected, you have internal, you have public. Yeah. I, I don't right. like this name. The name is private protected, which seems like an oxymoron. You're like, what are you talking about, C sharp oh, devs? Man. Yeah. All right. So let me start with um do you like internal methods or not? This is public for everything, man. Who even cares? Exactly. Okay, so I, I'm not an internals person either. But me just either. so you know, there is a faction of C sharp developers that love internal. And internal means it's public to all of my code, but it's not mm -hmm. public to anyone else. It's super cough, annoying. Cough, Xamarin forms. Cough, cough, Xamarin forms. <laughs> basically how you hide every defect in your design is you do this. Mm -hmm. Oh, I can touch that, but no one else can. Oh, I just mm -hmm. roll my eyes at the very thought. But there are some people who believe that this is good design and unfortunately they're running things right now <laughs> so what they found out was um i could make something internal but like you said that just makes it public but what i really want to do is i want only my code to access it plus only the classes in the hierarchy could access it so it's mm. like protected it's like internal protected but for some odd reason they called it private protected private protected <laughs> I love it. Well, then that's that's pretty great. Um, and, and I do like these features that they're rolling out. Now, I do want to talk about C Sharp 8, but I also want to talk about the evolution of Swift because you've been along for that ride. But let's first uh, take a little quick break here, Frank, and thank our amazing sponsor this week. You know them. You love them. They provide all of your beautiful charts, graphs, and all those awesome controls that you need on every single platform. They are good friends over at Syncfusion. Syncfusion, I've been using them for years upon years. They have essentially every single component that you could possibly want for your applications, whether it's an iOS app, Android, Xamarin, a web application, you name it, they support it. They have over 850 components and enterprise products, including big data, reporting, those charts, those graphs, PDF viewers, Excel viewers, I mean, everything that you can possibly think of. 
you can get all of it part of their community edition completely for free. So if you you know already have VS Community Edition, you can use all of the Syncfusion stuff completely for free inside of your applications. And then if you're in a big enterprise or you're making millions of dollars a year, they have a flat rate annual fee for everything. It's not one or the other, just for everything. It's great. You can find more about how to start integrating Syncfusion controls in any of your applications by going to syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. That's syncfusion.com slash merge conflict. And thanks Syncfusion for sponsoring Merge Conflict. Thank you, Syncfusion. Yeah, they're great. Oh, Lord, um, you mentioned C-sharp A. Are we going to talk about that puppy? Well, so, you know, Mads, I, I, I'm going to link to the video and and Mads got real excited because he's all about those nullable reference types. <laughs> and then there's span and there's a few other yeah. things, right? He's all about the nullable reference types. He's all about the question marks. <laughs> well, you <laughs> know, I, I, okay, we have to mention that one, which, cause I think it is actually a good addition. So we got the question marks. Do you like the question marks? Jokes mm-hmm. aside. Yeah. You like them. Oh, I love question marks. I also love this feature of nullables. Yeah. Nullable types. Okay. Well, I... I nullable reference The types. one that I like is nullable assignment. So I end up doing this all the time mm. where on the left-hand side of the assignment, I'll say, oh, I want to make um, this view green. I want to turn its background color to green. But given how bad of a programmer I am, <laughs> the view may or may not exist <laughs> at that point in time. So normally in the code, you would say, if view does not equal null, then view.backgroundcolor equals green. Well, now you can just... Mm-hmm say view question mark background color equals green (laughs) and just all in one line just say hey either the view exists or it doesn't if it exists do this and i like that it's nice and short sweet nullable coalescing Uh, i want to say yeah what uh, null Null coalescing coalescing. assignments (laughs) Mm -hmm. yep you Mm -hmm. can actually big fan so that's the one i like now which one did you like for the nulls this is um, nullable reference type, so you can have a string question mark, which means that this thing can never be null. Oh, this is the feature I've been waiting for for years, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, what are they calling it? Like the 80% solution to solving null reference exceptions. It's not perfect. Mm-hmm. It's not going to remove every null reference exception from your code. But what it's going to do is give us a very powerful tool to track them down and to finally solve them. So we all know the embarrassment of trying to call code on something that doesn't exist. Uh, usually an ugly dialogue pops up and then the app crashes. It's very embarrassing and stupid. So we shouldn't have these things. <laughs> so the language is uh, going to help us out so that we can designate which things are allowed to be null and which are not. So you put a question mark on them. That means they're allowed to be null. Otherwise, you need to find some way to guarantee that they have a value. It's great. Love it. Yeah, I'm excited for it. So you described it perfect. And you can watch the video where Matt goes into more <laughs> in depth on it. I think it'll be, you know, C sharp eight. I don't know when it's coming up, but they do have a preview available mm. now. So you can actually get your hands on it, which is kind of cool. Do you know how they're versioning Roslyn? Because I know we're at Roslyn 2.0 right now. Are they going to do like a Roslyn 3.0 for C sharp eight? Or are they just are they on a whole different versioning system also? That's a great yeah, question. I have no, no idea. idea. <laughs> we'll look that one up or you can look it up and tell us. That would be great. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So um, I don't want to get it. Do you want to get into the span thing? Nah, I don't know span we'll thing. we'll leave it. That, that'll be a whole episode series. We'll do a six part series on span. It'll be fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess the question really is, you know, how are we? It seems like keeping up with C sharp seems pretty easy at this point. I mean, from mm-hmm, my yeah understand i think our tools like we mentioned are very helpful you can go in you can actually toggle on and off essentially um the ability to 
um, uh, the ability to go in and um, toggle what version of C Sharp you mm-hmm. want. You can just say always use latest. So as Visual Studio updates, right. you know, Visual Studio for Mac's updating, it's part of .NET Core. It seems like you don't really have to worry about it too much, I would say. That's it's kind of nice. My experience has been it's been super smooth, especially now that we've um, centralized on Roslyn. Everyone just gets the newest version of the language. Now, the place where it hasn't been smooth has been when in my open source projects with people using old versions of Visual Studio. So you want to dive into that topic of how do we deal with open source projects and new language features? Mm. Hmm. This is a tricky one. So when C Sharp 6 came out, we in Xamarin Studio didn't have support for a bit, Mm. which means that I didn't really want to rewrite everything. That means like a lot, like half of my, half of my developers couldn't like, you know, help contribute whatnot if they didn't have VS 2015 at the time. And then it kind of seemed like once we switched over to Visual Studio for Mac, which is now using Roslyn and, and other things, so they essentially merged together to get yeah. you know feature parity. Um, to me, I had this long conversation with Joseph, Joseph Hill, who's who was our co-founder and, and who's my boss. And he said, you know, it's your project and don't we always want to be showing the latest and greatest and like the best stuff, yeah. right? Like why cripple, why stagment why yeah. stagnant, stagnant yeah. your development mm-hmm. stagnant uh, stag- sorry <laughs> stagnate stagnantation <laughs> why stifle <laughs> why slow down your development to clean up your code to access these new features to can it enrich your life if people aren't willing to upgrade mm. and i think now that like the upgrades are a lot more seamless and taking advantage of these features are a lot less seamless it's kind of up to you um if you want to handle those issues yeah. and a lot of times what i do when there's a major feature is i'll put in there i said you have to compile using visual studio 2017 or visual studio for mac right, right? and put that in there if you're going to build it but it's your library so i I used to be under the mindset of not upgrading, not doing stuff, but I've seen this more and more with Swift, for instance, where libraries are like, nope, we're using new Swift 3 and mm-hmm. or Swift yeah. whatever, <laughs> and you have to use this version of Xcode. Sorry. Like, yeah. it's, you know, sorry. I've, uh, yeah, uh, my whole career, I've always wanted things to just last a long time. So my theory was always stick with the old conservative set. Don't jump to the new language. You know, yes, the features are new and sexy, but you don't have to use them. Everything works. But I've really kind of flipped my position there. Now I'm basically in the camp of I'm going to use C Sharp 7.2 the day it's released. And if it's not compiling for you, I'm sorry, but all the tools are literally free right now. And I just can't have much sympathy for you if you're not updating. That sounds terrible if I was like servicing an enterprise or something like that. So I guess maybe I'm in a lucky position. But even all my open source projects, I have no problem in saying this requires C Sharp 7. And I'm sorry. I know it's going to cause inconvenience for 10% of you stuck on old mainframes running Minix or something. I don't know. But for the rest of us, I think the benefits outweigh the uh, problems. Yeah, and I think you just got to do what you got to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> got to do it. Free spirit. So, um, yeah, just got to do what you got to do. Um, so I will say, I want to ask you, how has your experience been with other programming languages? You're more free spirited <laughs> than me, Frank, and you Swift it up and you Python and Perl it yeah. up. Like, how is that experience compared to your C Sharp experience? Well, when we were first talking about this topic, I had to joke about the other languages because 
up, <clears throat> excuse me, upgrading all the languages has always been difficult. Uh, the the big one has always been Perl 6. You know, they've been trying to upgrade Perl forever, and it just hasn't taken. Everyone just keeps using the same old version. Swift has done better, and I think... Um, I don't know why. Maybe it's a formal process or whatnot. They keep moving very quickly. And I know that there's a little resentment within that community of having their code kind of break. They haven't been as rigorous and being backwards compatible as the C-sharp team has been. So I know that community gets frustrated. But overall, I think it's a good thing for that language to evolve. You know, because it was released and not many people were using it. So it needed to evolve very quickly. And then you have Python and Python 2 and Python 3. And that's another one where it's just taken, I think, I don't know, it feels like 10 years for Python 3 to finally catch on, but it finally is. So that's a language that's having a little more trouble um, um, updating itself. And that's just because there's so many old libraries out there that don't update. So it's a trick we, a trick, something we need to solve in .NET, but I think we're so far doing all right. Yeah, and I think one interesting part i guess is if i look at this new so with swift right you have to what is the can you Mm -hmm. i'm pretty sure i know the exact reason but what is the rationale and reason that you have to include swift into your app why would you include swift in your app because you have to bundle like swift into your like packaging correct like it's compiled into your app. yes the swift has its own library just like our base class library it has its own standard library and that will get put in plus don't quote me on this but i feel like it does have some runtime support also much like how objective c had runtime support mono is runtime support i believe swift has some runtime support also so it's all that stuff god yeah and then, because you didn't have to do that with Objective-C, correct? Like, th- there is a difference between the Objective-C and the Swiftification of your Very app. Very much. Objective-C does have its own runtime, though. It's called the Objective-C runtime. And what Xamarin is, is compiling from C-sharp down into the Objective-C runtime. That's Xamarin, at least on iOS. And so that's always existed. That's existed since the next days. And it's been a very stable and awesome runtime, very capable. But they decided to abandon it for Swift. It's very gutsy of Apple. I don't think you should ever abandon something that runs so well. But they decided to. And now we have Swift. Okay. So in your experience, (laughs) I'm just kind of trying to figure out the Swiftiness experience. In, In your experience, how has like following the progression of swift gone compared to the progression of c sharp right like yeah uh you know a lot more is being developed in swift because they weren't just designing a language they were also designing the library and we're kind of lucky in .NET where .NET was designed to be multi-language. So the library and the language have always been separated from each other. That caused our earlier NuGet problem. But, you know, for the most part, it's a good thing. Unfortunately, with Swift, when you see, you know, language design, what you're often also seeing is library design. So if we break the two apart, language design, it feels just like the C Sharp. They're playing catch up in a lot of things, like they're working on some asynchronous stuff and things like that, things that C-sharp has had for a while. So you don't see that. Uh, I'm sorry. So you see those bigger moves in Swift, whereas we're getting smaller moves in C-sharp because we're pretty stable. But then when you factor in all the language stuff, or sorry, the library stuff, then things get complicated because they're still deciding exactly what it means to be Swifty, you know, to feel like a Swift program. 
what what does it feel like to be swift <laughs> yeah it's pre- it's pretty interesting when you when you kind of break it down and kind of just kind of compare and contrast languages i think i mean I think we're doing it right right now, so that's good, it's, and I'm kind of excited for the future. But and it's healthy too. Not that anyone's doing it wrong. Not that anyone's doing it wrong, but yeah. <laughs> no, I really feel like JavaScript's doing it wrong, but <laughs> we'll save that for another show. <laughs> I, I much prefer these languages being developed in the open source software style. This is a real revelation. The fact that I guess in the past you always wanted a language to be defined by a specification, and it, it was always kind of frowned upon if you said look to this implementation of my compiler for the language specification. That just always seemed dirty and wrong. But the truth is, it gives you so many benefits. (laughs) You know, diversity is usually such a win, but in this case, um, standardizing on one compiler is just moving the community forward so fast. And I think all the languages that have done that, C Sharp, Swift, um, even your Pythons and all that, they're all basically the same runtime, have seen huge benefits from that. Yeah, I agree. I think so. I'm I'm excited to see. I'm excited that we don't have to wait super crazy long for <laughs> new releases and we can get access to these new kind of really cool bug fixes and whatnot. So and more pattern. I'm excited to see where it goes. More pattern matching. I can't wait. Oh, plus. Yeah, that should come hopefully. <laughs> plus, it seems like they're really taking optimization seriously in this pass. Um, that's what that span class is all about: is speed and performance. Mm-hmm. And so it's fun to see them really caring about performance too so these aren't just fluffy little cutesy features they're really trying to solve some uh problems or yeah things like that in dotnet nice well anything else you want to talk about on languages no can't wait for the 7.3 episode but the 8 episode will be good we'll definitely do one for that (laughs) (laughs) there you go all right well it's been about it trying to keep up with those amazing delicious programming languages i think that'll do it for this week's episode of merge conflict thanks again to our amazing sponsor sync fusion and thanks frank for putting up with me each and every week on this podcast i don't know how you do it but you get all the hugs and all the snugs (laughs) Uh, So until next week, this has been another delicious episode of Merge Conflict, and I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.